Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. So how should we start this? Well, that's up to you. It's your journey. Hmm. Do you want me to start from the beginning? (laughs) Maybe I'll introduce (laughs) what we're doing first. (laughs) Today, you've got just Jade and I. Um, and we're chatting about something that Jade has been pretty open about and we felt feel like it's a bit of an elephant in the room because she's been really open and honest about her journey um, on social media. So we thought that it was something that we wanted to discuss quite early on in our podcasting careers mm-hmm. um, and it's um, Jade's journey experience with postnatal anxiety and depression and um I want to say first off how much I commend Jade for her honesty um I guess it was even when you were going through it it wasn't even once you'd kind of come out the other side it was when you were in the thick of it yeah so basically I shared a little bit of what I was going through mentally with postnatal depression and I wrote um, a little bit of it in my notes on my phone um, and then I wrote sort of after I went through my story, which we will discuss, um, and tied it all together and we had a, well, I had a, um, a huge response of people either in the same boat or thanking me for being honest because they actually feel very similar mm. and it was a big surprise because we really don't talk about things like this and we should. Mm. And I think that is, um, you know, more light is being shed on it in, you know, more recent times but I still don't think that the stigma is gone with any mental health Um and, yeah, it's a hard enough time in your life or a, a, a time with so much change already and then to have that on top of it, I can only imagine how difficult that would be. Mm. And I think I I want to start off by saying that postpartum is such a important period of a mother's journey because everyone always fusses about you when you're pregnant and then the baby comes and everyone's fussing about the newborn baby but everyone tends to drop back and just think that you're okay and you've got this no matter if you've got one child two Mm. three it just seems to I don't know I feel like you disappear like Mm. you're not really asked if you're okay Mm. and you need to be because if you're not okay everything and everyone around you the whole ship falls it down. does yeah. it does it I just got goosebumps but it does yeah. and um I don't know why I got it I don't know how it happened but it came like a hurricane mm. 
it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. And if I could find another metaphor, mm. I'd probably use it. Mm. But that's it. So um, do you want to start from kind of the start with you? Do you have a history of mental illness or, yeah. you know, background of depression or mm-hmm. anything like that? So really briefly, I have struggled with panic disorders um, since I was a little girl. I always would think I was either dying in my sleep on and off. It wasn't like an every night thing, but it was quite intense. And then I it probably reached and stemmed to anxiety and that went into making me paranoid about fainting. Mm-hmm. So that was my teenage issue. And then, and being on my own, that was a big one as well. I never liked being on my own. I'd have a panic Was that because you were scared you were going to faint exactly. on your own? Yes. Yeah. So sort of all tied in together. Yeah. And, um, and like how debilitating was that for you? Like, I would, but to the point where I was frozen and actually physically couldn't move. Anytime you're alone. So not anytime. I would, if I got myself in such a yeah. mental state that, you know, I wasn't going to be okay, my heart would start racing and then my blood felt like it was thumping and yeah. then I was like, oh, great, I'm going to pass out now, yeah. which is funny because I'm only doing this to myself. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I was dealing with that and then I went through a breakup, which I was with someone for about on and off five years through high school and it was quite an intense time, you know, obviously going from being a teenager into nearly an adult, I didn't know who I was. So I really struggled with that. And I went and saw a psychiatrist and they recommended with my history and everything that I go on Zoloft. And Zoloft is a um, antidepressant slash anxiety medication. And it helped. It helped my anxiety and it helped me feel like I could enjoy each day so mm. I got through that um, and was that the first time you'd ever seen a doctor for yes. any of the fainting panicking yes. anything like that yeah yeah I, I, like even my mum I guess and my dad I mean my dad understood a little bit more but it once again mental health isn't really talked about mm. it's like oh it has to be like I had a brain scan like it's got to be something mm. like cancer or it's got to mm. be something blocking you know something mm. but it wasn't. It was anxiety. Mm. So from there, I was fine after that. I started exercising, which was really helpful. And then I oh, then I had Mia and I was fine. Um, then I had Billy who was 16 months behind Mia and that was a very intense time. And even though it was an intense time, having two children in nappies, it wasn't anxiety and it wasn't depression it was just tough tough where I'd sit on the floor and cry because it was just hard and I was tired or I felt like I couldn't do this or you know I did feel like you know I'm not being the best mum I could be but it wasn't depression Mm. at all it was just me having bad days and good days and just riding that train through it and yeah it never ever thought like it never came to me that I, yeah, was in a state that I couldn't get out of. No. Yeah. Yeah. And then I fell pregnant with little Yumes four and a half years after 
the girls and I, well, no, that's the gap. That's the age gap. So she was born. Let's Minus nine months. You don't have to do <laughs> Whatever. right now. <laughs> you know when people always say, my child is 24 weeks old. You're like, what? I can't work that yeah. out on this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so had little yums, had a blood transfusion after I gave birth the next day because my hemoglobin. Okay, so I did a, um, I'm just breaking this conversation up. Yeah. I did a podcast with Sophie from Australian Birth Stories and spoke about my journey there. And I said to her on air, hemoglobin? You said hemoglobin. I still don't know. You said hemoglobin. Okay, said hemoglobin. It's hemoglobin. It's hemoglobin. Okay. Now, that's got to do with iron and blood. Yeah. Um, basically, my levels were below 70, so I kept fainting and I couldn't lift my head off the pillow. And having a newborn baby, wanting to only care for that baby and be able to do that, I couldn't. They had to take her away and rock her and I could hear her. I already knew the sound of her, her little cry. cry. Yeah. So it made me very, very um unrested yeah and then I went home after having that transfusion prior to that I had a infusion because iron infusion yeah. yeah the iron infusion so I feel like I'm not saying this in the right way why I don't know is it making sense to yeah me? okay so then I had an iron infusion um, two weeks before I gave birth and they actually said to me this probably won't work until two weeks after you give birth because it takes some time to go through your body yeah so that was helpful and I came home you look normal three-day blues that was fine Um, what were kind of your expectations before you had Yumi like what I take the mothering role very seriously. Yeah. Like I put my whole self into it. Yeah. And sometimes that's actually, um, what's the word? Like a negative. It is because yeah. you are you need to have time for yourself to be a good mother. A, yeah, in a different role. Yeah. You have to. You know, you've got to have yourself. Yeah. And I tend to lose myself sometimes and yeah. just go for it. And, yeah. You know, let's just do everything and, you know, Anyway, so I... But I imagine that after doing the 16-month gap, mm. like tell me if I, if this is just an assumption, but I imagine after doing the 16-month gap and then having a four-year gap, you would probably think like, oh, well, like my older two are, self, are pretty self-sufficient, they're pretty independent, you know, one of them goes to school every day, yeah. like... And that's this is going to be easier. And that's a really good word that you said, expectations, yeah. because I think that is so important for a mother, whether you've, you're a first-time mum or you're having multiple or whatever it is, because that that pretty much is it once you – like you just telling me that made me think absolutely I had expectations. Yeah. I had expectations that – it would definitely be easier because yeah. they are older yeah. and they're out in nappies and they'll be my little helpers. It's definitely going to be easier because then I can just focus on one baby, yeah. not thinking that I am actually doing multiple roles 
lunches. Yeah. There's a new school. There's a new yeah. school kid. Yeah. Um, there's two different drop-offs. Yeah. So I sort of just went, no, I can actually do all of it and that's fine. It, it'll yeah. be fine. And I came home with that expectation, mm. thinking that I can do all this mm. and I'm also going to keep the house clean and I'm going to make everybody meals. Like mm. that was, it was because before I could do it all. Mm. I actually happily did it with two. That was fine. Yeah. I struggled a bit, but I did it. Mm. And the wheels started falling off probably a few weeks after I came home. Yeah. Because my parents left after a week. Yeah. They were helping out a little bit or a lot, looking after the girls. And then my husband had to go back to work. And so it was just me manning the fort, dropping the kids off, doing the breakfast, the lunch up, the, the yeah, the lunches, the clean up, um, the driving, and also looking after Yumi in between. And in my mind, I'm thinking, it's a newborn baby. They literally feed and then you put them back in a car or a bassinet and they go back to sleep. Like you can really do things in between. Mm. But your mind cannot. So mm. while that is all happening, in my mind I have lists just mm. going berserk of I've got to do the laundry because Mia needs a sports shirt. I need to pick up that thing in the hallway, otherwise I'm going to forget it. If she doesn't get that to school, then she's not going to be able to go to that excursion. It just starts escalating mm. and because I can't actually tick any of these it sounds a bit obsessive compulsive no but it's it's my way of thinking and getting things done yeah. I'm I think in lists yeah so, I'm, I'm an, yeah. I like I'm quite efficient and I like to just yeah. go through those motions yeah. and and tick them off. I don't like having lots of things half no done. so yeah. when when in my mind I think of all this and every single one just was not completed yeah it started to take its toll yeah and I became stressed and frustrated yeah and then my mind it was one day out of the blue like I honestly I knew something was going on I did not know I had a, like anxiety or depression problem I just knew I wasn't coping yeah and I had a shower and prior to um I think week five I've always not been fussed with my appearance I've always you know you put on makeup your clothes you know I don't sit there going why yeah <laughs> or I say oh you look good okay let's go I looked at myself and all I could see was my hair really, really porous, my skin in terrible condition, my body fatter than I've ever seen it. And yesterday I didn't think anything like that. Yeah, as in the day before. The day before. Day, yeah. So I didn't think anything like that. So I was like, well, that's a bit extreme. Like I actually was aware. that. Like was your skin actually bad or do you think you were no, seeing no, no. something I, that I was wasn't... definitely seeing something because then I had the same um, thing on my children. I was yeah. looking at um, my older kids and I was looking at them in a different way going, why do you look so different? I can't explain that, yeah. that feeling but it was a really scary 
mindset. Like you didn't look at them in the same kind of loving way that you yeah, you know when you know when them. you you know you've got a child, even yeah. if it's the ugliest child on earth, you absolutely yeah. love him yeah. as a mother. Yeah, but in this mindset, this <laughs> child, you'll never know. In this mindset. I'm not saying they're ugly. I'm just saying they didn't look how they usually look to me. Yeah. And it was really hard to get my head around. So I decided to go to the doctors and I said, let's um, get my hormone levels checked because um, that afternoon before I actually went to the doctors, I walked the lighthouse and I got into an argument with someone in the car park. Sorry, it's not funny, but I'm just <laughs> no, but it's, imagining you doing it. I know. I'm actually not very confrontational unless it's drastically needed. And I had a huge blow up with a guy that parked so close to my van and stared at me while I was getting out of the car after breastfeeding Yumi and he was like, yeah, that took a long time. And I, there was F-bombs, C-bombs, there was a lot of bombs dropping. I mean, he deserved a couple of bombs. He but did. That's, that. yeah, yeah. I tend to be a little bit more smarter with yeah. my way of going about things. Yeah. I don't verbally tear people's heads yeah. off and I did and I was outraged. So yeah. I had a lot of anger yeah. and I was very short and this wasn't the first occasion. Yeah. It actually happened a few times um, throughout the week. So yeah. I knew, okay, that's not really like me. Let's go to the doctor. Had any of your family members at this point, like, you know, anyone said, oh, you're not really seeming yourself? My mum and dad, when we went on another walk and I had Walks are bad for you. Don't walk. (laughs) No, when when I went for a walk with them, I had a go at a coffee person because I asked them to put sugar in my coffee and then when I said, oh, did you put sugar in my coffee, they gave me this smart ass answer. And usually I'd be like, oh, okay. But I was like, I'm sorry. I, I'm just asking because you, anyway, we got into a tiff about it and mum was like. But I kind of think that's a fair. <laughs> You're pregnant, okay, so just sit back. Get, I, I get sound hyped like, up in my story. I sound like I've been just like <laughs> having fights you with all their friends and I'm like, yeah, girl. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> Give it to him. Stir that sugar. No, I – it's just not me though. Yes. So my parents sort of turned to me and were like, that oh, was a bit out of, you know, Character. and then I got I cracked it. I think dad, I was like, no, it's not. And if I want to say that, I can, you do it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Once again, just so not like me. Yeah. So I took my crazy self down to the doctor and I said, I think I need my hormone levels checked because I am just out, like I am really angry, I'm agitated, I'm having blow-ups in the car park, my children don't look like my children yeah. and I look like someone I don't know. And he said, okay, we'll do that um, but can we do a little test? And I said, yeah, and he said, okay. So he reeled off some questions and he said, we'll get those re- results back on Tuesday but um, I do want you to think that perhaps maybe you might have postnatal depression. And I said, oh, absolutely not. And I'm all for people being honest. Mm. But this I truly believed Mm. I did not have Mm. because I love my kids. Mm. And he said it's postnatal depression isn't anything about Mm. or to do with not liking or loving Mm. your family. 
and I said, okay, pondered over that over the weekend. My symptoms got worse. I was really struggling um, mentally with my thoughts. They started to become catastrophic thoughts. So if I saw a knife on the bench, I would instantly think the worst that, you know, someone is going to just grab it and stab someone or it's going to drop and go on my foot. And, you know, it's it's a likely um, chance of happening, but it's not really going to happen. No. It was just the first thought. And then yeah. I had one time. Everything f- was the, like, yeah, worst it, no, like, case scenario. Worst case scenario. Yeah. And I was panicking. So my yeah. heart was racing all day and yeah. it just kept on going and going and going and I couldn't stop it. So the more I tried to tell myself, what is going on? Like you need to stop thinking like this. I don't know why you're thinking like this. I would rev myself up more. Then the anxiety would peak Mm. and then it would turn into a panic attack Mm. and then I would get into a state because I thought I was going to faint that I was just a complete mess. Mm. Now this kept on happening on and off for those three days Mm. Um, and I said to my um, my girlfriends and my sister-in-law, let's go up the coast and have a night away. And I think I messaged you to say, let's go have dinner. Yeah. You're staying near my house. Yeah. And we didn't because things got even worse. Mm. And I, and were you like sleeping at this time or? No. So I had Yumi with me and I just burst into tears in front of my sister-in-law and my girlfriend and I just said I don't know what's happening I I can't control my own mind and I feel crazy I feel like I'm going insane yeah and it was horrifying yeah to feel like you're not in control of your own self especially if you're someone who's used to being very in control always in control I was completely out of control yeah so from there I called a this a psychologist that my doctor recommended I see and I only saw her one time during this um so maybe it was probably a week let's not say three days Anyway, you don't all need to know which day I did things, but I'm giving. <laughs> That's okay. You- I imagine the time was a bit of a blur. Yeah, as well. the whole thing is a bit of a blur. Yeah, but I wrote it down, so I'm remembering. Yeah. Um. This is the fastest year of my life, by the way. But yeah. anyway. Um. Yeah. So I. What was I saying? You called the psychologist. I I called the psychologist and I said, I didn't sleep all night. I had seven panic attacks in that 10-hour period and usually I'd have one every six months. So it was just getting on top of me. And um, then I felt sick because I couldn't eat and I'm still looking after Yumi, trying to, but, you know, I just, she's she's such a wonderful baby. At the time I was like, thankful that she wasn't outrageous and wasn't screaming but I still felt like I wasn't doing yeah you know the job I was supposed to be doing so in every aspect I was just punishing myself and I was told by the psychologist to pack up our things and go to the closest hospital near home Mm. and see a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. So the difference between, and quote me here, Dr. Pierce, um, (laughs) 
a psychiatrist is someone that can prescribe medication and a psychologist is... Yeah, so a psychiatrist is a trained doctor. Yeah. So they can prescribe medication, whereas a psychologist is generally someone you may see more regularly and they help with therapies and that kind of thing. Okay, yeah, okay. And they don't prescribe? No. Okay. Yeah, so I this time went in, um, got out of my out of my girlfriend's car with just tears streaming down my face, um, not knowing what on earth is going on. And I told the receptionist, well, I tried to say that I need to see a psychiatrist. And they rushed me into emergency and said, you can come and sit in this little room. And in my state, I was horrified of a tiny little room yeah I assumed that it was just going to be a um like a nut nut house Mm. or a a crazy room so I begged them not to put me in there and they all were standing I remember they were all standing around staring at me in like a confused look and then there was like this sympathetic look and then they went okay we'll put you in one with her and I went in there sat down And a nurse came in and she just had a chat to me about a few things I was going through. And when I was talking to her about how I'm feeling, she said to me, I'll be back and winked. And I went, okay, a bit weird, (laughs) but all right. Um, In the meantime, the psychiatrist walked in. We had a, a big discussion and he just said, you are one big mess he didn't probably say mess <laughs> I was gonna say well that yeah, would have helped that's it you're done back into that cell yeah <laughs> no but um I he said that you have a panic disorder mixed with de- um, postnatal depression and anxiety and it is absolutely just spiraling spiraling in your mind and you've got to not feed it and my my yeah my question was okay but how do I fix it and he said Jade you've got to stop feeding it this is feeding it by trying to fix it you've got to just stop and I said I understand that and I am going to stop but what I need to know is why this is happening he's saying again Jade you're just going around in circles you need to stop analyzing yourself that's all you're doing and it's not going to do any good for this state right Mm. now so just try and take some deep breaths and not relax but just you know, take a day at a time. Yep, what? Well, sure, okay. Um, he left the room. The nurse on my way out said, here, and handed me a post-it. And on it was a book, um, and it was called Living With It by Bev. I always forget her last name. We will um, mention it. it at the end. But she said, I've been through something almost exactly the same as you. And this book, I believe, will help you through it. Good luck. Can I just ask, the, did the psychiatrist give you any, like, medication to help? or Because so, like, I feel like you've just been sent back out into the wild. Well, because, because he, and this is sort of what my doctor did as well, he, they weren't really um, worried because they were quite surprised about how onto my thoughts and understanding of what yeah. was going on that they knew that I was going to be okay. 
because so I can actually. And you had no thoughts of. Like, no, no, no. Harming. I had no, no harming of myself or my children. It was no harm. It was actually just fearing fear yeah. and fearing everything around me and myself. Yeah. So I was just fearful of my thoughts, myself. Um, well, not just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything. It was exhausting. Yeah. Such an exhausting headspace to be yeah. in. And um, so they said, Go home and do that. They really thought that I'd, I'd, you know, just calm down and maybe, you know, keep seeing the but psychologist. But it's so hard to be told, go home and stop trying to fix it. Yeah. Like so that's the, like. Do you know what it's like when people say with when you have anxiety, hey, go and meditate and close your eyes and try not to think about anything for three minutes. Oh, my God. Don't tell someone who has anxiety not to think about something for three minutes yeah. because if you don't think or if you start thinking about something in those three minutes, you're going to start to panic. Venus spin, yeah. Yeah, so that's how it felt. I'm yeah. like, right, you're telling me something I really can't do right yeah. now. But um, he, in my head it was him just saying stop feeding it. So I mm. Look, things are coming back to me now as I'm talking to you and it was such a foggy, foggy state, that two- to three-week period. Well, newborn state is foggy, let alone throw this in the mix. But I just remember coming home and with these fearful thoughts running through my mind every two seconds, Mm. I'd come out of it and I'd see my family and I felt so self-absorbed that all I was thinking about was my own thoughts, mm. and, but it just overtook me. Mm. So that's why I wasn't, you know, being able to complete the lunches and I'd forget the school bags and I'd forget, you know, I, I didn't forget Yumi, but I almost did mm. because I'm just so stuck here that I couldn't actually think about what I needed to do. Well, you're, and you're probably putting so much energy into those thoughts that, you know, you're already in a state that you're quite tired, sleep-deprived, yeah. etc. and then put all this energy that you don't have into purely your mind. You would have just been freaking exhausted. I was, and I, did, I wasn't sleeping either. Yeah. So, and I, I felt really alone as well because no one understood. My parents were away in... Um, Europe for business I could only call them a few times my dad and I have a really good relationship with um, you know um, I guess him understanding me and giving me comfort to how I'm feeling which usually made me at ease but this was so extreme that even his words weren't helping and my husband And my relationship was probably the biggest thing that was struggling at this time because he he suffers from anxiety himself, but he had no idea how to handle this one. Mm. He didn't know what to say, what to do. Instead, he just reacted like an angry person and he honestly, he would just crack it and walk out because he just didn't know how to handle it. Mm. And when he'd do that, I would sit there and be like, I can't even articulate to you how I am feeling because I don't even know myself. Mm. So I don't know what I want from you, but I need something. And what I worked out was that it was empathy I was looking for. I think everyone, including children, require empathy. Mm you know, if they hurt themselves or they have a fight with their sibling and they come running to you, 
it's a special power empathy Mm -hmm. because when someone tells you oh you know I'm really upset or I'm really struggling and that person turns around to you and says are you okay can I help you immediately you feel different you feel calm you feel understood yeah relaxation and and I didn't have that at all through this time so, you know, feeling scared of yourself and everything around you and feeling that you're so alone and the only people that were helping me were professionals mm. because they had to. Mm. Yeah, it was just, it was awful. But I had no choice because I've got three children to look after mm. and I have to make myself better. I ha- like I, I am them and mm. I if I go down... The whole house goes down, mm. and that's exactly what happened. The girls were fighting more. Um, Yumi was a little bit more agitated because obviously she could sense me feeling yeah, like sure. that. Uh, Harry would come home, we'd have an argument, and it would just, you know, it's like a, a massive explosion in the lounge room. Yeah. So it was a really, you know, it was not a nice space to be living in for anyone yeah. at that time. Um, but I was still working through it and we continued or I continued to see the psychologist and talk about things and she spoke a little bit more about being empathetic mm-hmm. and sort of made me feel better about my husband because she said men are like cavemen when you say, hey, I have a problem, they're like, mm, okay, what do you want me to do? Let me fix it. Let's like, come just, up with a solution. Yeah, tell me yeah. and I'll fix it. And I couldn't give him one. So yeah. then he would be frustrated, not because yeah. I'm going through this, because he couldn't help me. Yeah. But you don't really understand that in that time. No. So that was interesting. And when I told him I needed empathy, things started to change a little bit mm. for us, which was great. Mm. Um, I mean, you get that in day-to-day life even. Like I know oh. I've said to my husband, like, I'm not telling you that these things because I want you to come up with a solution. Yep. All I'm looking for is a bit of empathy. Yeah. And it makes the world of difference. But, yeah, so often the um, the first thing they go for is, okay, well, let's come up with a plan to fix it. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible because I, I came home from that conversation with the psychologist and, I said to my daughter, she came screaming out because Billy did something to her and instead of me in my frantic state going, I don't know, I don't know, I'm busy, I can't do this right now, I can't do this, Mia, you'll be fine, go go sort it out. Instead I just said, I I hugged her and I said, are you okay, what happened? I listened and then I responded with, do you want to cuddle? We cuddled and after that I said, are you okay now? And she said, yes. Like a switch, she just got up and moved on. And probably went back to playing with and Billy. <laughs> gave Billy an uppercut. No. Yeah. Um, but she did exactly that. Ugh. And it is that secret weapon. Mm. Just give someone empathy and mm. it actually can change the whole course mm. of mm. a um, conversation. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so from there, um, I... I was continuing to work on myself, exercising a little bit more. Um, When I did see the psychiatrist, he 
sorry, I don't know if we talked about this before, but he did increase my medication. When you went to hospital? Yeah. So he upped it quite a lot. Um, no, it was the second time I went back. Yeah. It got even worse over the weekend. Um, so I went back again and then he said, let's up your medication. We'll see how that goes. It's going to take about a week or two to kick in. Just keep going. So, mm. you know, um, after about a week and a little bit, um, I found that depression state of how I was looking at myself and how I was looking at my children starting to lift. But what immediately changed was that book that nurse gave me Yeah. on that little sticky note. Yeah. I downloaded it on a PDF mm. and I also bought it after I read a little bit of it. And it is the most incredibly basic way to understand anxiety. Yeah. So basically it's a it's a metaphor and she says that it is anxiety and it is like a little tiny dinosaur in your mind <laughs> running havoc. So when you're anxious, it's just running from room to room to room and going nuts. And when you're aware of this and it's too much or it's not the right time, like you're not jumping out of a plane or you're not being robbed or a knife isn't falling off the bench. You tell, Which were all things that were happening so frequently for oh, you. Yeah, it was a busy week. Um, you tell it yeah. to go back in that little corner room mm-hmm. and close the door and only open that door when you need it. Yeah. Such a basic analogy yet extremely helpful i mean your brain is so full of stuff at that time you can't handle some complex explanation like you you need basic and that is the perfect thing to read when you are that blocked with everything in your mind yeah it was like a breath of fresh air for me and i read more of it and i actually started believe it or not so I felt lighter mm-hmm. and I it got easier and it was because I was being understood mm. so my husband with his empathy made me feel understood mm. this book actually understanding what anxiety is mm. made me feel like I wasn't mentally challenged it was just a an issue that I was going through mm. at the time and I will come out on the other mm. side when I'm not sure, but I will be okay soon. Yeah. I just have to keep going. Yeah. So my mindset started to shift a little bit, mm. and I just got goosebumps again. Mm. And um, I felt, yeah, um, that it wasn't a smooth transition. You know, I had one day, one good day, one bad day, one good day. Then it was half a good day, half a bad day. Then it just started getting a little bit easier. So personally, what I think happened is the um, antidepressants kicked in a little bit Mm. and my understanding Mm. for anxiety Mm. completely really, Mm. really helped Mm. the way I was feeling and changed my Mm. mindset. So with a combination like that for me, Mm. I I did make it through that tunnel Mm. and I said to my doctor, will I ever be like that again? And he said, I'm not going to lie to you, possibly. You could go there but do you know the best thing is 
you have already tunneled your way out. Yeah. So you will always get out quicker than um, what you started. Or at least know yeah. I got out of it. Yeah. yeah. So really interesting. Um, I've never been prouder of myself for going through something be. like this because, you know, it's, yeah, it's to, to, to deal with that plus have three children to look after, it's a scary thing. Oh, can I hug you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just got makeup on your spell dress. That's okay. You'll get over it. Okay. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. But I hope, and the reason that I wrote this little, um, this, I guess, journey of mine on Instagram was because it was vulnerable, but. I didn't actually at the time think that people were going to be like me. I just felt that I needed to be honest with how I was feeling so everyone could understand what I was going through. Mm -hmm. Um, And the amount I received with people, especially dads with postnatal depression, was incredible. Yeah. It was I was really blown away by how many people are struggling. Yeah. And they don't say a thing. No. So well, it affects a lot of dads and I mean that's talked about even less than it affecting mums. Mm. Um Oh, of course. Yeah. Do you want to read out yeah. the post? Yeah. A photo can paint a thousand words or something. It also hides pretty much everything. I don't know how to write this, but I'm going to give it a go. Over the past few months, I've been struggling. I go to bed anxious. I wake up anxious. Throughout each day, the anxiety peaks and the strong internal walls that I rely on suddenly disappear. I feel scared and confused. I don't know why. All I know is that I have three kids to look after and I'd better not be turning crazy. And then the thoughts roll in. Why are you panicking? What's triggering it? For someone who was once so in control, why are you so out of control? How do you fix it? And whatever it is, fix it. So I start exercising. I make sure I try and find some time for each child and their needs. My husband, the washing, the cleaning, Instagram. I'm cooking the dinner no one wants to eat while trying to help Mia practice her words while I coo and smile at Yumi so I don't feel guilty for ignoring her. I need to call my nan because I miss her. I don't want to tell my husband I need him when he's just finished a long day at work and needs a shower. I haven't pat the dogs in days. I hear Yumi crying and the girls screaming at each other and what once never bothered me has now made me go numb. I'm panicking again. I wait until it passes and try fix my state by cleaning because usually I get satisfaction out of finishing something, but no. I went to the doctors. I went to a psychologist. I spoke to friends. I reached out to my family. I'm doing everything I did before and more. Why isn't this working? And then I had one simple conversation with someone I had never met via Instagram that led me here. She said to me, I think you need to find your new normal because you're possibly fighting with your mind to get back to the place you were at before your new bub arrived. And there it was. I had a mother fucking epiphany. I'm driving myself mad because I'm trying to do everything I used to with two, but now I have three and it's impossible. 
A beautiful sleeping baby who is low maintenance still needs a hell of a lot of time and patience. There is now zero alone time. I go to the toilet with the baby strapped to me most days. I've got so many roles I could open my own bakery. Easy. I just need to find my new normal. Not so easy. I wrote this before I went even further down the hole of denial. Another week of analysing my own thoughts and nothing in my mind was positive. I felt like I was on a crashing plane, out of control and no one could save me. I was terrified. Every sound, I panicked. Every thought was catastrophic. What is happening to me? I need to, I need to get away. So off I went. But out of my own comfort zone, I felt even worse that our girls' trip was cut short. My friend dropped me out of the front of emergency and all I could see was a blur from the never-ending tears streaming down my face. I need to see a psychiatrist. Something is wrong. The doctor said, you're not going crazy. You have a combination of postnatal depression, anxiety and a panic disorder and it's going to take some time to train your mind back to thinking positive again. I replied, my doctor three weeks ago said I had that, but I definitely don't because I love my kids and I love my life, so it's just anxiety. Postnatal depression doesn't mean you don't love your family, he said. So how did I get here? Four truckloads of guilt, 16 cups of shoulds, four bags of perfectionism, 12 busloads of criticism, 20 tonnes of negative thoughts, one football field worth of worrying, large pinch of sense of failure with a combination of any major life change, allow this to simmer over time, add some more negative thoughts plus some stress followed by a topping of physical sensations and there you have it, an incredible concoction of postnatal depression and anxiety. I finally accepted that I'm struggling and the fog starts to lift slightly. I have only spoken to a handful of people about postnatal depression and I'm blown away by the percentage of people, male and female, that have been through it. I'm sorry we are in a world that focuses on fluff. <clears throat> I fucking love fluff. But as much as fluff is nice to look at, it also makes us think subconsciously that our life has to be like that on and off social media, setting ourselves up to fail. I'm still learning that no one with three kids has a clean, tidy house every day. It's okay to forget the lunchboxes, to have eight piles of washing, to yell at your kids, cry for no reason or every reason, and most importantly, that it's okay not to be okay. So that was written in... When was that written? July. Yeah, July. And um, it's been, yeah, a few months since then. And I do feel that I have come out the other side. However, I definitely do not feel like my normal self yet. I have days and I think you're copying a few of them lately where I just get overwhelmed. And I, I sort of worked it out last week where I kept on saying to everyone, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Like, mm. oh, I've just got so much to do. And I actually realized that it's my mind that's so busy. Mm. It's just so, so busy. Physically, mm. no, I actually am getting, you know, a little bit of help here and mm. there and um, it is quite a normal life that I'm yeah. leading but in my mind it's nice, I have so. a million lists that are unfinished and I am still feeling like I can't complete them. So um, my anxiety isn't as bad as it was 
And I do tend to go back to that book when I need to. I definitely take deep breaths every now and then. Um, I don't focus on the uh, mindfulness approach of, you know, not thinking about anything. I just five deep breaths, hold for five seconds and release. And that seems to help. Um, And other than that, I am trying to keep exercising and not being hard on myself. What's really important for us to understand is that new mothers, they enter this new world of parenting and they've just come out of a selfish world of doing their own thing, sleeping in, work, you know, it's just them that they have to worry about or their dog or cat or whatever. And then when you become a mother, it's just entirely different and the the biggest word is or the phrase is new normal. Hmm. Don't compare your new normal to your old normal yeah. because they're always going to be different and if you cannot have expectations, hmm. you'll be a much happier, lighter person hopefully and I think you've got to get to the point where when other people are putting their expectations on you Mm -hmm. like I've already found that with um getting ready to have my second child and I'm trying not to go into it with expectations and but so So many people you speak to you know sometimes what people went through is helpful to hear but when it's almost being forced on you as this is what your life is going to be like well no you don't know that my life's going to be like that whether that's good or bad things and i think it's okay to say to people you know like shut i don't up. i don't want to <laughs> i'm not going to tell them to shut up <laughs> but like you know like like this isn't helpful for me i'm going to take it one day at a time Yes, I know there's going to be chaos. Are there going to be beautiful times? Yes. Are there going to be hard times? Yes. But stop trying to project whatever happened to you onto me. Um, I might find it harder than you found it. I might find it easier than you found it. Um, People I find. And it's all around expectations, I think. And people love to give their advice whether you ask for it or not especially older people or people that have just had a child they will love to chew your ear off oh you've got to make sure you do this and do that and pack this or don't do that oh don't you dare do the dummy ipads and that you know what if people just understood that that is so much pressure on Mm. a new mother Mm. um surely and you know they would they back off a little bit Mm. it's it's just too much unless a new mother asks for advice please don't give them what you think Mm. they need to hear because they've already got a lot going on and they're so sleep deprived and really they probably just want you to drop off a meal or pick up their washing have a quick hello and goodbye with their hand hand sanitizer and and that's it just quick. At most hold the baby while they go have a shower. Yeah, just <laughs> if you can walk in and do one thing for them, then your job is done. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But we will talk more about that on our other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have it yet. <laughs> Please tell me what I'm meant to be saying. But we will. But, no, um, thank you so much for being so open now and thank you so much for um, – being so 
open when you did post that. Um, I'm not going to turn this podcast about me. This is about you. Um, but I was um, early days pregnant with this baby and in hindsight potentially was going through a bit of antenatal depression myself um, that at the time I didn't really know what it was um, and your words number one triggered me to think um, okay I'm having a lot of those thoughts too um, maybe I'm not as okay as I thought I was but they also made me feel like I wasn't alone in these thoughts um, they made me feel less guilty when I looked at Poppy and didn't have the same, you know, want to play with her or hang out with her. Um, and, and um, I mean, antenatal depression is a whole topic within itself. But, um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm through it and I look at her now and, you know, 90% of the time think she's divine, 10% of the time. And it is. It's just reassuring yourself <laughs> yeah. that it's okay to feel yeah. this way because we get hyped up on what everyone's, you know, doing and mm. get a little bit confused and lost into actually how we mm. are allowed to feel. Mm. Um, we had a few questions come in about if I had postnatal depression with my other two and no, I didn't. Um, and the other one that a lot of people wanted to know um, how you can tell the difference between yes. normal postpartum feelings because obviously it's very normal to have to, to feel anxious at times you know you've suddenly got this yep. new life to care for um, and to feel down at times yep. what do you think I mean you've well, been through both so my advice is to not listen to me but it's actually to if you feel not yourself uh, don't analyze that you have this or you have that just go and see your doctor and yeah. tell them your feelings um, and they'll put you on the right path you know it is hard it's hard work being a mother and it is going to feel like some days you're like geez I should be back at work but I think I don't know personally I knew when something was different, I didn't actually know that I had postnatal mm. depression, and but then you I was knew in that something wasn't right. I knew there was something not right, so don't don't think that it's that, that takes a lot for you to say for them takes, not to listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't listen to me after my podcast. Fifty five minutes, but don't listen. You can listen to me. Yeah. So, I yeah, we hope this um, makes people feel a little. Um, more aware about, you know, the feelings that you can have through mm. a journey like this and that you can positively come out the other side. Mm. And I guess even though we said don't give your friends unsolicited advice, still check in and make sure that they're okay. Are you okay? Yeah. That's all you need to say. Yeah. So... Thank you so much, Jay. You're welcome, Soph. You're super mama. Oh, you are. <laughs> Don't call me super mum. Why? Because that's one of those things that actually brought me to this. No, as in like I know, regardless you are, whether you're doing it all or not. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll take it. I have a hard time taking it, but I'll take it. Thanks, Soph. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> Here, have a great. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast.com.
to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.